every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to grace. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, You're welcome to take a seat if you'd like to. I'd like to welcome you here this morning to Faith Family Fellowship. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here. So we'd like to extend a welcome to you. If you're a visitor, a guest with us, there should be a card right in front of you. It says connection card. If you would take that and uh, fill that out, we'd love to have a record of you joining us here this morning, be able to reach out to you during the week. And if you would just drop that into the offering basket on your way out this morning. Well, we have just brief announcements. We're, we're going to be back tonight for uh, prayer time together. And so at 6 o'clock this evening, we'll join together and pray together uh, as a group. And then as, as smaller groups, share what's going on in each other's lives. Pray for one another. Pray for our congregation. Pray for what the Lord is doing and where He is taking us. And so we'd like to invite you back uh, this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll start in here. And, uh, and we'll go from there, okay? So we have been memorizing Scripture uh, this year on Sunday mornings and would like to uh, recite our verses again this morning, our one verse from Exodus 15, and uh, would like to do that together here. So if we can put it up on the screen, we'll read through it. Uh, so to remind you, this is one verse from the middle of the song that Moses sung and that Israel uh, sung after the Red Sea, after the parting of the Red Sea, and the Lord brought them out of Egypt and uh, brought them out of slavery and uh, brought them through, uh, through the sea and then used that to consume their enemies, Pharaoh and his army, and they are singing the praise of the Lord and how exalted he is above the nation that he just freed them from. So if you would, recite these verses with me. Let's read them out loud. We'll do it twice, and uh, we'll, we'll pray. All right? Ready? All right. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you in majestic and holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders? Exodus fifteen eleven. 
Anyone do it without reading? Not yet? I'm not going to try. I got half of it, and it's going to be bad if I try. Let's do it one more time. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Exodus 15, 11. So we've talked about the first. Who is like you, O God, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? So to be holy, God, he is set apart. He is other than anything else that we can comprehend. There was a medieval church father who talked about the glory of God and that the, the grandeur of God, that any thought, no matter high, how high the thought we can have of God, he is greater than that. That by definition of who he is, his infiniteness, his glory and his greatness, that no matter how high we can think of him, he ascends that. That we cannot conceptually define who he is in his greatness and in his holiness. And that's what holiness means, that he is set apart. He is greater than, he is higher than anything and everything else. And that entails purity. That he is pure morally. He is pure in his love. He is pure in his characteristics and his attributes. So pure that anything that is not cannot enter his presence. It is consumed by his purity. And so David, several years after Moses is singing this of God's greatness and his grandeur, he confesses that, O God, O Lord, have mercy on me. Wash me thoroughly from my sin. Cleanse me of my iniquity. As God sends Nathanael to convict him of his sin and what he has done, he is humble before God in the holiness of God in face of his sin. And so I hope God's holiness, his greatness, would humble us this morning, that we would be humble before the Lord and his goodness and as we take the Lord's Supper, we would be humbled before how we are not worthy to stand before him. Yet we all are here. He has all been merciful to us because of Christ. Because Jesus has stood in our place. Jesus has taken our punishment on him so that if we call upon his name and are saved by his grace, we can stand before God. See him in his holiness and his goodness because of Christ, not because we've merited it at all. All right, let's pray and then we'll continue in worship. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you have told us of your holiness. You have shown it to us. You've shown it to us through scripture. You've shown us your greatness and your grandeur and the abundant love that you have had upon us that you would send your very son that the Son of God, the Word, would take flesh and walk among us and that He would give His life, His pure, perfect, holy life for sinners, for sinful people like me. That You would extend Your grace, unmerited, undeserved. You would give out of Your abundant love, Your infinite glory. You would give to us forgiveness in Your Son, Jesus. So God, remind us of your holiness this morning. Remind us of your greatness, Lord, that we would catch a glimpse of you that would humble us and would lead us, Lord, to repentance, to faith in your Son, and would lead us, Lord Jesus, to, to you.
God, may you be glorified this morning. May you be exalted and draw us, Lord, before you and before your cross. In the name of Jesus, I pray, asking these things. Amen. Please stand as we continue to worship. our hope in life and death Christ alone Christ alone what is our only confidence that our souls to him belong who holds our days within his hand what comes apart from his what will keep us to the end the love of christ in which we stand and oh sing hallelujah our hope springs eternal our hope in life what truth can calm the troubled soul God is good God is good where is his grace and goodness known in our great Redeemer's blood who holds our faith when Gives the rise, who stands above the stormy trials, who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing hallelujah! I hope springs eternal. Oh, 
but not only is our hope in life and death, he is our living hope. Because he is not dead, he is not. It wasn't just that he died, but he rose. He is a living God. How great the chasm that lay between us the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night and through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of Calls me his own beautiful Savior. I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free.
set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my miracle. that was due by sending your son to die for our sins. He took our shame. And Lord, through him we have life. But it is only through him that we can have life. God, thank you. for Pastor Joel as he gets ready to bring the word. Lord, that you will give us ears to hear and God hearts to understand that we can leave this building better equipped to be your church. To show your love to those around us and to glorify you in that. Father, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning to you, and uh, I hope you've already had uh, a time of uh, worshiping the Lord. Uh, most significantly, we worship Him as we encounter Him through His Word, and uh, He is the living Word. Uh, Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. Okay, don't forget that. Uh, God in his sovereign plan, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was in the plan of God's great redemptive plan. He was as good as the sacrifice for our sin in eternity past. He was born in time in the house of David, miraculously, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, and so he sheds his perfect blood on the cross of Calvary as a substitute for our sin, taking our punishment upon him, was buried, rose again the third day, ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. He is coming again to receive all of his children to himself, to set up his eternal kingdom, of which he will reign with supreme authority forever and ever. Amen. And I just want to 
kind of put that in the context because we're going to be looking in uh, the book of Isaiah as we're just picking out certain sections of Isaiah over the next few months and uh, uh, I have preached through this passage multiple times over the years uh, in Isaiah 9 uh, because uh, there's that section that deals with uh, wonderful, uh, our wonderful Savior, a definition of Christ our Lord, the child that is born. And it's, I preach it at Christmas time. And uh, so uh, I want to today to put it uh, in the context of the book of Isaiah. And you might remember we're talking about that first section of Isaiah that deals with Christ being king. We're looking at kings, the failure of hu- human kings, and the success of the divine king, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we will see him as the suffering servant uh, later. And then we will see him as the coming conqueror at the conclusion of the book of Isaiah. Uh, I'm, I, I see Dale sitting out here. I wasn't going to say anything, but I see Dale sitting here. I don't know if Amon is here this morning. I came by here yesterday morning. I knew that we had had a, uh, a water leak. I don't know if y'all noticed the dug-up place that was out there and the blue tarp. And uh, so when I came here, uh, Dale was here, Eamon was here, and Ernie was here. And uh, when I arrived this morning, uh, it had what uh, is supposed to be caution tape around it. A few of you caught it. It was crime scene (laughs) tape. And Dale, you're the only one of the three that I see. I went down, that's what I'm wondering. I went and I took that down and I found regular caution tape and put it up. And now I think I've made a mistake. I'm sorry I digress there. Okay, Uh, here we are. We're looking at... uh, uh, Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, born as king. I I titled it uh, uh, The Wonder Child King. I I, I just struggled for a name, a title for it. He was born as a child, but as a child he was king. And he lives eternally as king. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, join me. If you don't, uh, it will be on the screen here uh, behind me. Uh, Beginning in verse 1 of Isaiah 9, it says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Uh, Remember, we left it uh, with the punishment of those who rejected the great offer of salvation in Isaiah's day. If they simply would have turned away from Assyria. And they would have turned away from Egypt. And if they would have turned away from uh, the northern kingdom's advances. If they would have turned to the Lord, they would have experienced His salvation. Uh, So that's the people who are in anguish. But all prophecy of Scripture has its immediate fulfillment in time and space when it was written. But it has a future time of its fulfillment and you and I because of our sin are people in anguish as well 
So he says in the former time, in verse 1, he brought, for, brought into contempt the, the land of Zebulun, the, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan. And then he uses a term that's only used here in all the Bible, and that is Galilee of the Nations. Let me just stop and say, well, what are we talking about? We're talking about Israel. The northern ten tribes of Israel. They're under judgment. Assyria is eventually going to come and go along the Mediterranean coast. And that is what he is saying here. But it's interesting when he does it. He, he calls that area of Galilee by a name it's never been called before. And that's Galilee of the nations. And I think it's significant. Because Christ was raised where? In Galilee, at Nazareth, and uh, it is there that multiple ethnic people lived. Part of that is called Samaria, and uh, so you, it, this is just full of the gospel. It is just full of Christ being given to the nations. And then he says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Yes, talking about the birth of Christ, but also in this day. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder. There, there's a lot of pain in this verse. The rod of his oppressor. You have broken as on the day of Midian. And there's two references there. One to Egypt and one to Gideon's time is what we're referring to. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult. And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. In other words, there's a day coming when there will be no war. And every instrument of war will be burned up. So, how, how is this going to come to be? And you'll see three fours, F-O-R, that are here. Four. The yoke of his burden... The staff of his shoulder, I've already read that one. That was the first one. <laughs> the second one is, uh, for every boot that is trampled. And the third one is, verse 6, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, speaking of Christ. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And amen. To the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. And Father, what powerful words these are. How easily that uh, we can read over uh, this passage of scripture and not grasp 
the fullness of it. We can read it at, at Christmas time and think of a babe born in a manger and, and wonder how it can be called a wonderful counselor, how he can be called a mighty God, how he can be called the everlasting Father, how he can be called the Prince of Peace, and unless we put it in the context of the whole of who the second person of the Trinity is, he is God. He is our conqueror. He was our, he's our king. He is our suffering servant and he is our savior. And help us this morning in the few minutes that we have together to be able to come to, to be a part of that remnant, that, that group that turns completely with all of our hearts unto the Lord. And may our communion time together around the Lord's table be a reminder that we have no other hope, no other Savior, no other confidence except Jesus Christ and His blood shed for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, time and time again I use the word sovereign and we, uh, it's not specifically in the text that's here today. Uh, but a lot of times you need to get definitions correct. If you, if, you, if you don't define what we're talking about, you really don't understand what's going on. And, uh, but we're going to be talking today a little bit about God's sovereignty, and that not only is the sovereignty of the Father and the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit, but the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought I ought to give you a definition, or a couple of definitions. Went to... Uh, secular dictionaries and uh, just pulled out the first uh, uh, definition uh, one dictionary said a sovereign is a supreme ruler especially of a kingdom okay I, I, I mean if you you know most of us don't use that word sovereign certainly our children don't use the word sovereign in everyday language so you need to know what it means it means to be the supreme ruler Another definition is one that exercises supreme and permanent authority. I'm going to read a long one. It will be on the screen here for you. It, it is out of A.W. Pink's book called The Sovereignty of God. So he wrote a whole book about it. And this is his definition. The sovereignty of God. What do we mean by this expression? We mean the supremacy of God. The kingship of God. The Godhood of God. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that God is God. There's no other. To say that God is sovereign is to declare, to declare that He is the Most High, doing according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth so that no one can say his hand, or say un, uh, stay rather his hand, or say unto him, what are you doing? In Daniel, it's not on the screen, but in Daniel 4.35 it says, And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? Who is saying this? It's Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who has been humbled by the sovereign God of the universe. And I've been reading here this past week that uh, 
when the James Webb uh, uh, probe opens it's already opened up but when it starts sending us signals and pictures this summer it'll probably reveal that there's not just one universe but more universes out there well I'll go ahead and say it this way if that be true guess what God's sovereign of everything okay he's you know I don't know I, I don't know if there's an end to our universe God is infinite in all that He is, and He is sovereign over everything, is what He's saying. He goes on to say, to say that God is sovereign is to declare that He is the Almighty, the possessor of all power in heaven and earth, so that none can defeat His counsels, thwart His purpose, or resist His will. Again, a quote from Psalm 115.3. Our God is in heaven and he does all that he pleases. So he goes on to say, to say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the governor among the nations. For the kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Setting up kingdoms, overthrowing empires... And determining the course of dynasties as pleases him best. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the only potentate. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Such is the God of the Bible. That was so pitiful. Can you say amen? Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but if I was living in Ukraine right now and the Russians were on my border getting ready to come in and invade, I, I got to tell you, that would be an encouraging word. But if I'm in a doctor's office and the doctor has come out and he says, you know, I, and I do have a lump right here under my skin about that big, that lump right there is cancer and it's malignant. You know what? It's great to know that God is what? Sovereign. He's in control. He rules over the affairs of mankind. And you and I need to get that settled in our hearts. And in doing so, I want you just to see from this passage of Scripture just a couple of things. Well, it's actually four things if I can make it through in time. Number one is an eternal joy. There is an eternal joy that comes by knowing that God is in control. By believing it. By trusting that God is in control when you and I can't see that He is in charge. Those first three verses. Again, he's writing to those who are in gloom or in anguish. He's talking about a people in, in the day of Isaiah when Uzziah the king dies. Ahaz a wicked man becomes king in Judah. And Uzziah and the remnant of, of God had to be wondering, what? Where's God in all of this? Where is God? Did God not show up? We've done all the right things. We have, we have worshipped. We have, we have uh, repented of our sin. We are trusting in God's provision uh, through the sacrifice of His Son to come, the Messiah to come. We're doing all the right things. But is there not any help for us? 
Verse 2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It's dark in this world, but there is light in Christ. The only way you and I are going to find that, that glorious light and that hope is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is revealed through Holy Scripture that you can trust your life and your eternity your family into the truths of what God said. God never fails on any of His promises. But preacher, you must live a very easy-going life then. <laughs> well, no, that's not the way it works, is it? Jesus, uh, the Scripture tells us it is through many tribulations that we will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus himself taught us, um, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So that you and I can face the trials that we're all going to face with a Savior who walks with me and talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And I can trust in the hand of the living God. And then when we come to verse 3, he says, You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its, what? Joy. How can you have joy? Because you're a part of a nation that is greater than Alabama. It's greater than the United States. It's, it's greater than the Western culture. It's even greater than the world. The nearly 8 billion people that are living on the planet today. It is a nation of God's people from the beginning of time until the end of time as you and I know it. And one of the characteristics of that people is we are filled with joy. Now, some of you need to tell your face that <laughs> right now. You're to come to this table today with joy. And, and you don't forget Ahaz. Remember, Ahaz was the king right after Uzziah, who had served for 52 years. He dies. Ahaz decides to do things his way. And remember uh, pardon me, uh, Uzziah rather. Before Uzziah died, remember what Uzziah did. He became proud and arrogant in his heart. Successful. Successful. Oh, I mean, in, in, in our uh, current culture of celebrityism, Uzziah was a celebrity king. And he comes to be uh, honored by all the people to the point that he says, I'm going into the temple of God and sacrifice unto the Lord. Was it his job to do that? Absolutely not. And as a consequence, what did God do? Gave him leprosy. We've already been over this. But, but in, in that, what was Uzziah forbidden to do? To come. To come here. To be with the people of God. To come before the presence of God. And, you know, I realize this is, uh, these are unleavened wafers and uh, uh, grape juice. But they represent the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. And what a privilege 
it is for you and I to be invited to take of it. You and I who have this, the leprosy of sin upon us through the blood of Jesus Christ have been cleansed. We're, we're like Naaman who dipped himself in the muddy waters of the Jordan who argued with the prophet and said, listen, if I wanted to be healed, I'd have been healed in the clean rivers of Syria. I wouldn't come to this muddy Jordan River. And he says, well, this muddy Jordan River is not going to cleanse you. It is going to be the God who rules. And he's asking you to walk by faith and to trust him. And when he enters into it, he has to dip himself how many times? Seven times. First time he does it, he comes back up, he's still got leprosy. Second time, so you need to be baptized one time, two times, three. No, I'm kidding. You had to obey the Lord. You don't come to God on your terms. I don't come to God on my terms. I come on His terms. In repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He does that, He comes up the seventh time cleansed. There's joy in, in coming to know Christ as your King. Um, and he says it's a great nation. And it doesn't seem like we're talking in the context of Isaiah. He's not used greatness much. What has he already said? There's going to be a remnant. And a remnant is not, it's a smaller portion of the whole, right? And so it, it seems like there's less than rather than greater than. But as I said, let's get the whole picture. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 says... And after I looked, and this is John having a heavenly vision. He's on the Isle of Patmos, but he's been caught up into glory. I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, in their hands and they were crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb sometimes you feel alone even in a congregation you may feel alone but if you're in Christ Jesus you're part of God's great kingdom family and you know, I, it's, it's always, it amazes me how proud and, um, uh, I don't, uh, unkind, I guess that's the word, my heart can be. I, I, you know, there are times that uh, here in the United States, I can divide myself off from other people that are Christians because I, we baptize differently. Or maybe we look at communion just a little bit differently. Or maybe our songs are different. And I, I mean, it's just amazing how I can go, well, I, you know, I, I, yeah, they're Christian, but I don't want fellowship with them. And then a group of us can go down on the Amazon River And we can find somebody that's come out of an indigenous tribe who has believed in animism, spirits. And he confesses Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. 
And you know what I do? I embrace him. I just embrace him. I go, praise God. You are my brother in Christ. And I forget that it's, salvation is not of man. Salvation is of God. And here's a man who's come to faith in Jesus Christ who is a part of this great throng of people. Maybe we ought to broaden our horizon just a little bit time and time again. Okay, enough for that sermon. Uh, Secondly, the explanation for this joy is found in verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken on the day of Midian. I, I said there's, there's two messianic uh, promises that are in this passage of Scripture. Uh, it's because in the first part of this verse, he uses the language of Egypt. The people in Egypt were oppressed. They were under the oppression of Egypt. They were under a yoke. They were burdened. Their shoulders were heavy. It really is the language of it. And, and how were they delivered out of Egypt? They were de- delivered out of Egypt by the act of God. There was nothing that they did. As a matter of fact, if they did anything, what did they do? Griped. Complained. Argued. Got mad at Moses. Moses got fearful. Moses said, I don't want to do this. And yet it was the act of God that brought them out of Egypt. And they were delivered by a mighty hand. And the language is also, secondly here, of the defeat of the Midians. And I say that because he he gives you some historical reference when he says Midian. Where is Midia? Well, it's, it's in that northern section of Israel. The very section of the group that's joined with Syrian is coming against Jerusalem. And, and uh, if you've been with us each week, you know exactly what we're talking about. It's that same language, and Gideon is a man who is called by God to be a deliverer. Did he do it willingly and gladly? Did he, when God said, I want you to do it, what did Gideon say? Not me. Where do we find, where does God find Gideon? That almighty man of valor. He's hiding in a wine press from the enemy. And God calls him. Man, if that doesn't encourage you, Do you ever feel fearful and afraid? Do you ever think, could God ever use me? That's Gideon. And God raises up Gideon, and God delivers the people of God. How? Because Gideon was a great and mighty man. Do you remember what they did? They were told to put put light in a clay jar. A bunch of guys got around light in a clay jar, and they were to take the trumpets with them. And they surrounded the enemy at nighttime. They broke the jars open. And when the jars were broken open, what did they see? They saw these lights. They have no idea how many people are around them. They blow the trumpets. They think, man, we're, we're just, we're done for. And it's like 30 guys out there. Well, it's 300. I, I forgot. 
It was 300, wasn't it? Uh, you remember how God did that? The whole host came and said, and he says, that's too many, that's too many. It was a sovereign act of God. It was by his miraculous hand that they were delivered. It excludes human glory. No guy could say, man, I'm really a mighty warrior. All I did was break a jar open. Have you ever broken a, anybody broken a jar before? Ever drop a plate? Mighty warrior, you are. And you go, no, 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 no. That's all they did. Don't miss it. God was their deliverer. He was their sovereign. And then there's a second explanation that's found in verse 5. And he says, For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Uh, it, it's, a, it's couched in uh, warfare terminology. And uh, it, it has the idea of the end of a war. And at the end of the war, all the things of war, those dirty uh, uniforms that they were wearing that had blood on them, everything is gathered together and it's burned up. Well, who, who fought this war for us? Who won this battle? Christ is our king. He is the one that has liberated his people freely so that you and I might enjoy the fruits of the Lord's victory for us. Where does the joy come? You and I can look and go, the, the battle's over. We get called into the fight, and I know. You, you say, well, I fight daily. Yeah, but you're not fighting the battle. The battle, you show up to the battlefield and you find out the battle has been won. Christ has defeated the enemy. Then how come I am so easily sidetracked? How come I am so easily derailed from my spiritual life? Oh, we like sheep. <laughs> have gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all and again Jesus says my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish so you know it, it's really not you can't go out of church and pat yourself on, back, on the back and say what a good person you are. Can you? You're just a sheep. Saved by grace. Kept by grace. Ruled by grace. Covered by grace. You've been marinated by grace. Or you should be. Should be in the Word of God regularly. Communing with Jesus. We say this is communion. It's just a, it's a picture. It's like putting a picture on the wall to tell us we should commune with Jesus Christ regularly. Remembering what He has done and what He does in our behalf. And then there's a third explanation for this messianic promise that brings joy. And it's in verse 6. And it's the summation of it all. And that is unto us... A child is born. 
A child is born. He was a king as a child. Yes, he grew in stature and wisdom before man. But as he is born, it, in the bringing of the gifts, we are reminded what? He's king. He is king. And it says, and the government shall be on his shoulder. What are we talking about? We're talking about authority. His rule. His kingdom is on his shoulder. It's not on whose shoulder? Yours. Earlier he talked about the burden on their shoulders. Going back to Egypt. Who took that burden off of our shoulders? Christ did. You bear your sin no more. In him you are complete. Lacking nothing. Thank you. Lacking nothing. And I know you look in the mirror and you go, wait a minute, it just doesn't mesh up. It's because we are reminded, don't see through the temporal. See through the eternal. I got to tell you, you know, the more I look in the mirror, the more discouraged I become. I do. You know, it's, it, the, it's, it's just falling apart. <laughs> But wait a minute, that's not the mirror he's wanting you to look into. Isn't his word like a mirror? And coming to the mirror of the word of God, we don't see the reflection of our failure. We see the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are transformed from glory as unto glory, even into the image of Jesus Christ. Well, I've run out of time. Uh, there are two couplets that are here, and I'll just mention them. I've, I've preached on them. Go back and find the old sermons. And uh, they're, on, uh, they're online somewhere. Uh, the two couplets are Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. It's a couplet. And uh, this is half of his fourfold name. And these two earlier ones have to do I think with the name Emmanuel you will call his name Emmanuel God with us he is a wonderful counselor uh, the word wander in the Hebrew text has the idea of being supernatural he, he came with supernatural wisdom uh, he is our supernatural counselor he is one giving us supernatural counsel you cannot figure out God. You can't study the religions of the world and ultimately say, I choose Jesus. Did you know that? You know what has to happen? He has to come and say, I want you. He has to open your eyes. He has to make blind eyes to see. He has to make deaf ears to hear. He has to make dead souls come to life. And then you can believe. That's the way of Scripture. That's the way it happens. The, this is exactly what he's talking about as the wonderful counselor and the mighty God. It's interesting the word God is that Hebrew word E-L-L. -L, Daniel, Joel, the L, that's God. And it, and it li literally means power or might. So uh, I don't remember what song it was we used to sing, Our Mighty, Mighty God. Somebody will remember the reference. That's really what he's saying here. He's the mighty, mighty one. 
He is the warrior that is mighty. And it's a, it's a military reference. And then the second couplet is, He's our everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. One, the first two are how our salvation is gained. Secondly, He refers to the benefits of our salvation. So that through Christ's victory for us, He becomes what? Our everlasting what? Father. You're His. You are a co-equal and co-inheritor with the Lord Jesus Christ? That can't be true. And yet the Word of God proclaims that to be true. So that God the Father is not only the Father toward the Son, but He is the Father toward you. Depressed? Downtrodden? discouraged, disheartened. God is your Father if you're in Christ. And He is not only your Father, He is your what Father? Everlasting Father. <laughs> He's not kicking you out. <laughs> we had a guy come stay with us when I was young. He was our uh, paper delivery guy. And he came to live with us because his dad kicked him out of the house. God's not ever going to kick his children out of his house. And then, uh, and then lastly, it says that uh, not only is he our everlasting father, but he's our prince of peace. You and I can have joy because we live in his peace. Well, I had more to go on uh, verse 7 and uh, verse 8, but uh, you don't have time because I don't have time. <laughs> I do want to close with a... A little song, just uh, the first verse of a, of a song that Chris Rice wrote. And uh, um, it's real simple. It says, weak and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head, for love is passing by. And then he just repeats it. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and what? Live. What did Jesus say when he called those early disciples? Come. Come. Come to him. Did I pray the right words? Did you come to Jesus? Did you come to Jesus? Are you in Christ? Have you been born again of the Spirit of God? His Spirit... So many people struggle. They go, oh, I don't know if I said the right words. I don't know. Not. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Rest in Christ. Do not rest in yourself. Don't rest in the church. Don't rest in a baptism. Don't rest in a membership. Rest in Christ. And Father, that is where we must find ourselves today. In Christ. Lord, you call us by name. Just as clearly as you called young Samuel as a little boy. And Samuel didn't know what was happening until it was explained to him. And he said, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. He was responding to your call. 
Oh, Father, forgive us for making salvation such a complicated thing in the way that we say you must say the right words. Lord, you simply tell us to come with a heart that has turned toward you and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that this morning that you would call someone to yourself. Someone to be your child now and forevermore. To be a part of that great throng. To enter into the joy of your salvation. Knowing that as trials and difficulties and hardships will come in their lives. They will have a Savior who walks with them. Talks with them. And tells them. They are His own. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.